to entertain you, we'll sing your songs. Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Joe, we are back at Newport Beach, uh, maybe even at Newport Beach Union coming up pretty soon. You never know. You never know with the twists and turns of the OC. We're talking about season three, episode four, The End of Innocence. Awful. I do not know what that name means with anything in this episode in all honesty. Really? You don't? Oh, you know what? Yep. Okay. One very specific thing. Normally, I try to write like beat by beat what is happening. Mm -hmm. This time, I tried to... well, this time I just tried to focus on like when I had things to say. First thing out the gate, once again, it's an ongoing theme here. Totally forgot that Marissa had a sister. Caitlin, man. <laughs> Caitlin, it's easy to do. You know, for a split second, I thought, man, Jimmy and Sandy are being the only like sensible adults here. Oh, no. Right? Jimmy shows up, talks to Sandy, and is kind of just like, hey, man, I'm really sorry that we're both going through this. Mm-hmm. which is the most mature thing that anyone has done during this entire situation between you're not allowed to hang out with Marissa and, and the Coopers being like, you're not allowed to hang out with that Ryan boy. And then Jimmy Cooper just being like, hey, they both equally fucked up. <laughs> like, let's just acknowledge this. Of course, my feelings for Jimmy uh, disappear. I guess this is officially the write off of Jimmy Cooper by the end of this episode. I don't. Expect we'll see him ever again because they gave Marissa the line saying, when you leave, don't ever come back. And that seems like a pretty finite (laughs) period at the end of that sentence. Yeah. I am really struggling to think if maybe he came back later for the funeral. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to say that this is it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make I'm going to make the statement. All right. I also most of my rage in Mm -hmm. this episode stemmed from 
that I had somehow, between our last recording and this recording, forgotten about the Kirsten subplot. And the second that that re-entered, I was just like, this is so stupid. So I want to <laughs> focus I want to focus on that for a little bit because as of where I'm at in season three, uh, mm-hmm. season three, episode three, I have no clue what this girl's game is at all. I don't understand her game plan. I don't understand her motivations still. like you're talking about uh, Charlotte. Oh, okay, I was gonna say Jerry Ryan. <laughs> Whatever her yeah. name is. In this. Like, they they just, like... And, I mean, I know in the next episode we get that that definitive answer. But it's, like, they're really just playing, like, a weird mind game for these first three episodes where, like, nothing makes sense. Kirsten ends up walking away from this seeming like the dumbest human being on the planet for not, like... Not questioning anything this one woman that she's known for two weeks has to say. Like... <laughs> Like it's, it's very very strange, um, but we get the big highlight. The big focus of this episode is honestly the script read or the script reading. Dear God, mm-hmm. the will reading. Everything hinges on it. Jimmy Cooper's debt is going to be resolved from this this reading. The plan is that the will gets read. The Coopers remarry. They go to Hawaii for a destination wedding, and they never come back. I actually wrote down. The Cooper's moving to Hawaii. Talk about a subplot that I have absolutely no fear will not have any follow through. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, there's never ever been a less threatening subplot in a, in a show where I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. I like episode three of season three, right? Where it's like, yeah. okay, we already, and see, this is like, sometimes I like, I do get a little like upset with myself that I know too much about like how entertainment works. Right. Because we know like, this is not really going to happen. You just need to see how it's not going to happen. Exactly. And you already kind of know how it's not going to happen. I knew that somehow Jimmy Cooper was going to get screwed over and that they weren't going to receive, he wasn't going to receive the money that he needs. And then that was going to be what like essentially writes him out of the show, Mm -hmm. but let's talk about it. They go to the will reading and it's revealed that Caleb has no money. Like, none. He broke. I don't know about you, Joe. That doesn't add up at all to me. It feels like over the season break, the writers had to come up with a storyline. And they were just like, what if Caleb had didn't have any money? Because, like, there's never, in two seasons, there's never been any, like, hint that he was hurting for cash. At all. In any way. And the Mm -hmm. lawyer's like, what do you think all of the this and this and this was about? And it's like, the things that we never saw as an audience? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's it's definitely the thing that's been really annoying and stressful three episodes into this season already. Is like, the show writers are just telling us information that we've never had placed in front of us at all up until this point. And it mm-hmm. it doesn't make it it makes it actually a really frustrating viewing experience because you're just like oh you think we're dumb <laughs> so here's my question to you Joe 
when season four came out, was it known this is the final season of the OC? I think part of the way through the season, they re- they ha- they were it was announced that it wasn't going to return, and so they had to wrap everything up. Okay, so it wasn't a situation where because I'm imagining a world where audiences are getting so frustrated with these plot beats in season three that they're like jumping ship as the season is airing, and basically Fox saying like. Hey, we're going to give you one more season to like wrap up your story, but it's going to be a shorter season and, you know, mm-hmm. do what you can with it. Because like I think if I was watching this live and I was really into seasons 1 and 2, I would start to feel annoyed and insulted already this early into the season. Mm-hmm. Now you weren't watching it live, right? You were I didn't watch season 2, 3 live, no. Okay. So you were you still So this was Wait, so but you watched season 4 live? <clears throat> Well, I remember the only season I truly watched live was season one and first half of two. And then, like, you know, it was in high school and I was dealing with my budding homosexuality. So I, like, tossed that aside and I rediscovered it, like, in college. Okay, so you don't really have... I hate to say it like this. You don't have any direct insight on what the mood was towards the OC as this was airing, really. No, no. Yeah. Um, I mean... I would love for any of our listeners who watched it live to let... I would love to know that I'm not crazy in feeling like if I was someone watching this in real time that I'd feel like, this is really dumb. <laughs> like, I feel like there was such... They had such buzz... Right, yeah, they had such buzz from the end of two, and like it was all a buzz. Like a lot of, I remember watching Best Week Ever, like religiously during this time period. I loved and, Best Week Ever, and so they much. and they had it. Like they they covered like this and like the early seasons of Drag Drag Race um, on on Best Week Ever, and so it was really interesting to kind of see them talk of like a show that's like really buzzy but i don't remember like overall dissatisfaction that would have to be someone who was like um who was like a day one fan um so we might have to engage some of our old guests on this so i here's what i will tell you i'm looking at the wikipedia page and i'm making sure that i can't see anything beyond the U.S. viewers by millions, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So season three, episode one, 7.5 million viewers tune in for the first episode. The next week it drops to 6.2. And then it kind of holds like 6 million for a while. And then it drops to 5.7. And it holds in the high point fives for a while. Then it starts to hit the low five point three for a while and then towards the end it's actually hitting four at one point it hit a 4.3 so almost half of who tuned in for the premiere by the episode by the last couple episodes are starting to tune out Mm -hmm. um until that last episode the last episode jumps back up to being like a 6.4 but i mean that to me alone says like okay there is there is dwindling interest in what's happening this season for the people watching it in real time. Um, just, I think, getting fed up because sure. that really, I really felt like, fuck you, show. This, this is just, this is 
manufactured drama to write Jimmy Cooper out of the show at this point. Like, it, it just felt really annoying. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. We have to talk about what's happening back at school at the same time. Summer is planning an end-of-summer party dance thing at Mm -hmm. the school. Taylor's there helping. The Dean of Discipline is over there watching to make sure everything's going well. I will never call him by his actual name. Dean of Discipline is his name. (laughs) Dean Hess. (laughs) I keep thinking that the Dean is a student because he looks like a 10-year-old wearing his dad's suit and playing playing the game of I'm at work. Like Was that he, a thing? Was that a, a look back then, like slightly oversized or like it's just really ill-fitting? Well, I think so, but it was never a good look. <laughs> like, sure, like I don't okay. think anybody pulled that look off and it was like, yep, that works. I want to read something I wrote. I texted you about this, Joe. S- potential spoiler alert for the next episode. But I wrote... I am confident that we are going to find out that Taylor is fucking the Dean. That's how they've reset everything in the next couple episodes. They keep looking at each other throughout this auditorium every single scene. Uh, And I was just like, this is ridiculous. This is so annoying. Um, And we'll, we'll find out if I'm right or not next week. But another thing that felt inaccurate, maybe it wasn't. Mm hmm. Are we to believe that Ryan and Marissa sleep together for the first time in this episode? It's the end of innocence. I just yeah. right. I'm like we've that never done mean- this before. Like I, I and I, I had to pause it because I was like, "Is that true?" And it's yes, it is. <laughs> it is true because, and here's a, here's a couple reasons why it's true. In season one, 
She sleeps with Luke. She sleeps with Luke. Which, which side note, then the end of innocence has already happened. The innocence between <laughs> them. Remember, you're, I was, so you have now made a game for me where it's like taking the name of the episode. What are the two things? Yeah, what are the two things it refers to? To the end yeah. of the innocence, right? Well, one of them yeah. is like, you know, Jimmy getting fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one, which is happening simultaneously, is, uh, they're both not virgins, right? But like, yeah. this is the first time that they've ever done anything together, which, like, to me, kind of makes sense. Also, like, I completely forgot that it was in the hut, like, <laughs> on the beach. Yeah, that's wild. They so, <laughs> so they, I guess, in, in my brain, I'm just like, but they spend all their time together and they live next door and Ryan has his own private house away from everything. Like, how is this the first time? It doesn't make any sense, but sure. Sure. I mean, I guess you're right. We've never seen them sleep together. So we must take that as fact. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that Seth and Summer have slept together on multiple occasions before Ryan and Marissa. That's wild. Yeah. They steal the hut to give them a private area to bang. Then they return this partially used hut. Uh, and we get to see how truly unhinged the Dean is as he shows up and chastise Seth and gives Seth two months of detention for taking and returning a hut for a dance that he's organizing. Yeah. Let's, let's call it what it is. Do you know how many things... As stage crew members, we took home with us to finish final touches on and yeah. returned to mm -hmm. the school. Like, it was the other thing. Seth could have literally just used any excuse of like, oh, we had to take it home and do some final touches on it. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, all right, cool, great, whatever, move on. We get two things. Ha well, actually, we have three things happening while the age of innocence uh, or the end of innocence is occurring. Because like you said... Ryan and Ryan and Marissa are are sealing the deal. Jimmy is getting the shit kicked out of him. Mm -hmm. And Kirsten is contemplating a relapse. Uh and I <laughs> and I wrote, do you think Pure Vodka paid for that sponsorship cuz it is just like clear in the front of the screen, label pointing right at the camera what brand of vodka she has with If her. if you're going to relapse because of daddy issues, you want <laughs> Yeah. If you're having a bad day and you're going to have a relapse after a successful rehab stint, try Pure Vodka. Yeah. The meanest note that I've ever written is Marissa goes on the boat after hearing what happened to her dad. And I wrote, Jimmy Cooper looks like the kid from Mask as he turns around. <laughs> he's, 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 he's like beaten to shit. His face is all mm -hmm. puffy. Like it is, it's rough. It's rough. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, I complained about this for the last three episodes or so, Jimmy Cooper had such a beautiful, perfect story arc. Mm -hmm. And then they bring him back for all of this bullshit. Yeah. And it's like, for what end? Like, what did this achieve? What did this move forward? What, like, new character changes have occurred from these three episodes of just, like, 
running Jimmy Cooper's character through the mud for three episodes? Nothing. Nothing. Never. Like, <laughs> not a goddamn thing. We've accomplished nothing, and it, like... Like, Jimmy's a likable character, right? He's like, a he's, really likable character. He's a lovable character. rogue, right? Yeah. <laughs> and in this one, he's just, like, an ass. Like... Yeah. Especially because it's like, oh, yeah, he's never going to change. And it's also... It could be said that the end of Innocence is also Marissa standing up to Jimmy and being yeah. like, hey, like. it's You know what it is, though? It's also because it makes it clear that his only intentions with marrying Julie Cooper was to get the money to get himself out of debt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's not Jimmy Cooper, though. That's not the Jimmy Cooper that we have learned about for two seasons. Like, like he fucked up. Yeah, but he would do anything for his family above himself he was willing to go to prison to make sure his family was okay yeah. at one point like yeah which again it, like again matt right like it's that thing where you and i know that this like hasty decision this like the way that they're deaning jimmy cooper is to is because like probably he wanted out or they yeah. wanted they needed to just write him off in a quick way because at the end of 2 it is very convincing that like him and Julie are like in in a falling thing. in love again. Yeah, yeah, falling in love again. It's so there is this uh, attitude in the world of wrestling that, especially with Vince McMahon, that if you have the audacity to want to leave the WWE mm-hmm. and go wrestle someone else somewhere else, mm-hmm. he is going to make you look like a fucking joke on the way out Mm -hmm. because in his mind he needs to lower the value of you as a wrestler i feel like the oc has done that with every single actor who's asked to not come back for a season is like we'll write you off but we're gonna write you off looking like a jackass (laughs) no no one gets to just fade off into the sun as a hero (laughs) like which we'll get into next week because there's some characters that I really like that I'm just prepared to find a reason to hate them too because God forbid the OC let there be any likable characters that aren't <laughs> hand-chosen as the four core kids <laughs> in this show. <sighs> All right. Let's talk about some music. Um, this episode's got a couple songs in here. We got the Shout Out Louds with Wish I Was Dead Part 2, which plays when the core four is having breakfast and uh, trying to figure out their plans. The Transplants, Gangsters and Thugs plays when Seth and Summer are painting the oceanscape. Black Rebel Motorcycle Club Salvation plays uh, when Ryan and Marissa are having sex and Jimmy Cooper's getting the shit kicked out of them. All Sad Girls Are Beautiful song Baby Blue plays when Seth returns the theatrical set and gets yelled at by the Dean. And then the last song of the episode is Matt Pond P.A., covering neutral milk hotels in an aeroplane over the sea joe what song man i mean i really want to say it's the song where they're fucking right like i really want to say that but to (laughs) me i love that i love that cover though i love that cover i mean i here's the thing that neutral milk hotel album is easily one of my favorite albums of all time it's a pretty good cover of that song i wrote it down as the matt pa song Mm -hmm. or the matt pond pa song it I was so excited to he- just hear any version of In the Narrow Plane Over the Sea. It's a very 
weird, trippy indie rock song. And I think it is fittingly used to end the episode. Yeah. We match again. We match again. Hopefully not for too long, but it's very uncomfortable. Neither one of us likes that. Um, I'm going to do my pop culture thing real quick. Knocked out a book that I remember a lot of people talking about a couple years ago. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I do think that people should read it because it is a quick, easy read. Uh, My Sister, the Serial Killer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Were you familiar with this? It's a a really interesting little uh, short novella. I I mean, I'm calling it a novella. It's like 170-something pages. Feels about novella length. But, I mean, I knocked it out over two days uh, good short chapters. So every time you're like, all right, I'll read one more chapter and then I'm going to put it down. You're kind of left on a cliffhanger and you're like, well, there's only three more pages in the next chapter. Let me just get a little bit more closure before I put this down. And the next thing you know, you've read the first like hundred pages in one sitting. Uh, so interesting. I've seen this before. I've seen, I've seen the cover. Yeah. I, I, I got it from, uh, a place where I've gotten a lot of my books lately. I have a bunch of those little libraries around my house. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have them out there in San Diego? I don't. The little like lending libraries in the like uh, not in my neighborhood, but in other neighborhoods, yes. Yeah, where someone just like builds. It looks like essentially a mailbox, but it's a tiny little like two shelf bookshelf thing that anyone can take a book or leave a book inside of. Mm-hmm. I was frustrated with the uh, how the book ends. And I know that sometimes an ending can can taint your entire enjoyment of a thing. Um, but I I mean, I've checked the reviews and everyone else loves it. Like it was in most critics' top 10 books of that year and everything. So definitely give it a read. Okay. And how about you, Joe? What is a pop culture thing you've been checking out that you want to talk about? Well, as of recording this, um, we are about to experience um a sporting event of some sort uh (laughs) we the uh, bcs championship between uh uh michigan university of michigan and the university of washington is happening tomorrow and so um with that i wanted to say this movie that i saw uh, with my family around the christmas holiday um called the boys in the boat Ooh, I heard that was really good. Yeah, it's it's exactly what you think it's going to be. Like it is a um sports movie about an underdog team and it's like cookie cutter but also just like uh, see the thing is like people say cookie cutter as like a pejorative, but I like cookies. <laughs> I like when they're in little fun <laughs> shapes. And yeah. this one, like, I was actually pretty, like, I was enjoying it. It's um, it's so funny because as we were leaving it, my sister, who was, like, wanted to wanted to see it and, you know, brought my, you know, managed to get my parents on board and stuff. She was like, thanks for coming. I know it's not usually what you like. And I was like, I mean, you know, I like a lot of things. And this was really, it was really fun. Plus, it's got, like, you know, hot guys rowing. Like, yeah. What's Ooh, that ties into the OC, all right? Exactly. They're hot guys and they're rowing. And then I didn't realize this, but um, my last, uh, uh, I think my last uh, pop culture thing was like the Fantastic Beast movies. Yep. Right. So the guy who's the main guy in Boys in the Boat, um, he plays the brother of Newt Scamander. He plays Theseus. Oh. And like, it's so funny because he looks younger in Fantastic Beast movies. 
and because he's just like he's like really jacked up and like swole in in i mean you know it's a it's a movie where you're just watching a bunch of guys like heave ho rowing for you know two hours yeah that'll do it yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it did a lot for me matt so i highly recommend <laughs> highly recommend i mean for in all the ways that you could be seen by a underdog sports the true story underdog story of sports uh the boys in the boat. I wanted I wanted those boys in my basement. You know what I'm saying? I <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back next week to talk about maybe not rowing, but I'm sure that Newport has a rowing team uh, on white people problems. obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 